You're listening to the Time Creator Podcast, episode 15. Welcome to the Time Creator Podcast. If you're ready to tame your to-do list, get organized and create a more harmonious life, you're in the right place. Join me, Tash Guthrie, as I share real, tangible tips and strategies for creating more time for the people and things that matter to you the most. From inspiring interviews to solo strategy sessions, girl, I've got you covered. So come on, let's start creating time. Thank you for joining me on the Time Creator Podcast. My name is Tash Guthrie and I am so excited that you've created the time to listen in today to the podcast and to get all the great hints and tips that I'll be sharing with you today. And from my amazing guests that I'll be introducing you to shortly, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the people that have left a review on iTunes or as it's now called, Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps me be discoverable to other people. So if you have loved listening to the Time Creator Podcast, I would really love if you could pop over and leave me a review. Uh, It just makes the world a difference to a small business like me. Now, if you're a mum and you've got little people, maybe preschool children, primary school children, high school children, This episode's going to be a big one for you because, as you all know, if you've been following me for a little while, I am an educator. I'm a primary school teacher. And we know the world's been flipped on its head at the moment. And I am so excited to present this episode to you today because I'm chatting with another educator all about how to set up successful remote learning areas in your home how to actually set a routine for your children that might work. And I'm really aware going into this conversation that I get really ranty and passionate about education. So I'm going to be holding back a little and letting my guests take the limelight here. And I want you to know that you can do this and the tips and tricks that we have in this episode are not cookie cutter This is the only child that exists. Therefore, it's the only routine that will work with you. This episode is for every mum, every dad, every carer, every person that's helping behind the scenes in helping to continue to educate our children because it is, and teachers have always felt that the education of a child is that whole big encompassing hug. It's a big team effort. It's a village But now more than ever, we know that it is and we have to all work together. So I really hope that this episode brings you some clarity and that you really, really enjoy it and that you get so much out of it so that you can go into the next term feeling really confident, uh, helping to uh, educate your child alongside your child's teacher. Now, before I bring Tiffany on, I'll just tell you a little bit about her. She is an incredible person and I can't wait for you to listen to all of her tips. Tiffany is an early childhood specialist and she's now working within the high school arena. So this span is massive and in her years of experience, she's followed children right from the start of their formal education, working within baby rooms in childcare, right through to teaching senior subjects at high school. She is so passionate about working with parents just like you, just like me, to take the notion of child-led learning from the fringes and place it at the heart of lifelong learning. And it's through her website that Tiffany inspires mums 
to find learning in play and works with them to build their child's independence, allowing mums not only to make their cup of coffee, but to have it hot. Ah, how good does that sound? Let's get into it. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, Tiffany. I am so excited that you're here and I would love for you to introduce yourself to all the people listening and to give us a bit of a backfill into your journey uh, up until now. Um, My name's Tiffany. I have been with my husband now for 16 years and I'm that mum that said we were never having children and now have discovered that I love being a parent. I've got one daughter and I've stopped counting her age because I want to pretend she's not getting older. She's nearly two, but we're not talking about that. (laughs) Um, And I, yeah, I did not see myself being mum and I didn't see how much that I would love it. I am an educator. I've taught from primary through to high school. I love teaching. I love working with children. Um, it's my passion. So I don't know why I didn't think I'd make a good mum or why I wouldn't be a parent, but it was definitely not what we had on the cards. And at the moment, we live in a very quiet life. Uh, usually we're off around the world traveling. We um, spend as much time on a plane getting out, going somewhere. So this is a challenging time for us as well, being stuck at home and just a bit of a different road. So that's, I guess, a bit about me. That's where I am really. That's fantastic. And it would be a very different world right now um, at the moment when we're all having to stay home. (laughs) Yeah, we usually go once a month, we go away um, for the weekend. We go camping or go to the beach. And then each year we do at least two big trips overseas. So my little girl's done Thailand and Europe already. So travel's a big thing for us. So it's a big adjustment now having those things closed down and really changing how like we haven't been anywhere for two months like it's a big adjustment for us at the moment absolutely I can imagine and um it's really interesting for me to sit down and have a talk to another educator because it's so exciting and I'll have to contain myself Um, (laughs) but you know our roles as educators have been flipped on their heads basically in the last few weeks Uh, as everyone knows a lot of uh, schools and states have moved to our remote learning and not only have educators been thrown into all this new world parents have as well and they're suddenly having to co-educate their children alongside their child's classroom teacher and there are so many different emotions uh, at play at the moment Uh, I just wondered if you could talk through as a mum as well, what are some of these emotions and how are a lot of parents feeling at the moment? What's the range looking like? I, when you ask that, I think about, I, when my, when I started working in education, I actually started as a governess on the other side of online learning, Mm -hmm. um, property in the middle of outback New South Wales. And I'm talking, I was three hours from Broken Hill, outback New South Wales. And Even then, I found that daunting, stepping into that with the amount of information, with the wealth of things there that the teachers had provided that I had to unpack. And I think it was my second year of uni I was doing this. And so, like, you know, second year of uni, I thought I knew what I was talking about. And there was so much stuff. And I was teaching a grade one, I know, prep and grade two girls. So I only, I had two girls. And it was just, it was overwhelming at that point and we weren't in the middle of pandemic. We weren't, yeah. I, that was my job. 
they weren't my kids. And I think the biggest feeling at the moment is that overwhelm. I'm overwhelmed. We've lost that stability of, like I said, like we travel, we've lost those things that make us who we are. Mm. We've lost those routines that we have as parents that get through the day. Like we had ways of doing things that we're like, oh, yep, that's how I do it for my child. Then we drop them at school and I go and I get to be me and I go to work or we have this nap time routine that works when I've only got one of them at home and we've spent years refining our routines for up for our children and now everything's up in the air. We don't know when things return to normality, what normality is going to look like at this point. Mm. Like we've just lost that safety net as parents and I think the biggest is that overwhelm sort of feeling um, and just daunted by the whole thing because we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what the timeframes are. And that's, you know, I think that's all parents is sitting in that boat of, well, where to from here? Yeah. What, when do we get back to being normal? I can do some stopgap things, but that's all I can do at this point. And yeah, it's just that I, I know for me, it's that feeling of when do I get back to our routine? And it's mm. that feeling of, so much information of how I should be doing this as a mum, like how I should be teaching her while she's at home. And then how am I meant to be going to work? What jobs are essential? What aren't, where should I send her? How am I doing all of that? It, it's just overwhelming at the moment. And that's, I think that I was going to say overwhelming twice in a sentence, but that's <laughs> a big thing. I think that parents are facing is just that daunting amount of conflicting information and overwhelming information that they're getting from all sides. I'd completely agree. And then you've got the added notion of not only all of those worries that you just explained, is that am I capable of doing this? The, the, there is a real mindset around, I don't think I can teach you two maths. And when we think about year two maths, we think it's simple, but there is so much uh, terminology and language that goes into a lot of what teachers do every day. So um, there is a lot of overwhelm and uncertainty around parents' capability. And I know just from my own personal experience that parents are doing the best they can with what they know and they are trying so hard to make it work. And teachers see that. Teachers are seeing these parents stepping up. These are the parents that are asking questions and trying to make this work the best they can for their kids. So I think parents are doing an outstanding job despite all their overwhelm at the moment. I think so too. And I think the other thing is we need to remember, like I taught my daughter how to feed. I taught her how to walk. I taught her how to talk. Ish. I'm teaching her how to toilet train with some success. Like I've already taught her things and it might not be grade two maths, but I know how to teach my daughter. I know my daughter better than anybody else knows my daughter yes and I need to trust in that I know my own child I need to trust in I have taught her the fundamentals for survival I can teach this concept yes. and I know that, that oh it's not how it was back in my day but you know what five years ago it probably wasn't how it was taught then either absolutely and it doesn't mean that because it's different to the way that it was 10 years ago 20 years ago that it's not the right way. I know mm. I've toilet trained differently to the way my mum toilet trained to me. We're all, but we both walk out toilet trained. Yes. And at the end of the day, you know, and I think we need to trust as parents that we are teachers because we've taught from day one. The day they put that baby on your chest, you started teaching. Yes, absolutely true. And 
for the people listening, you are more capable than you think. Is yes. the, is and what we're saying. <laughs> it is. And I think because you, because, you know, your teachers have gone to university, they've done their degree, but as as mums, we know our own kids. We know what our kids need Yes, more than anybody else who can get to know our kids. And as mums, we've been teachers from the day we've had our children. We've yes. been teaching them by modelling who we want them to be. We've taught them so many fundamentals that we can teach. And we've got to trust in that mums. Yes. And you've got the best partner in the world, your child's teacher, um, yeah. I haven't ever really met a teacher that hasn't had a heart for every child uh, and mm-hmm. what's best for them. So there are teachers waiting and ready for parents to make that communication and help them and support them because what teachers are doing at the moment is not just teaching, helping the education of these children, it's actually supporting and educating the parents. It is just, it's the biggest community right now. And um, I, I hope that there's so many parents that have built really strong relationships with their child's teacher in the last few yep. weeks. I really do hope. And look, in the classroom, children learn super differently to how they're going to learn at home. I did a really cute video for my parents in my classroom with my son on my lap because I was working from home uh, around setting up some routines for the day. And this is something I really want to talk to you about in more detail. But, you know, I talked to them about, you know, we need to keep these kids in some kind of routine for learning. And I talked to them about getting up, having your breakfast, doing all of the things that you would normally do on a school day getting your children to still do that on a school day. So get up, clean your teeth, have breakfast, do all of those things, get dressed and go to a designated physical space for learning in your home. So that's that's about like getting out of your pyjamas, getting ready for the day and sitting down. And I was interested, we had been chatting off our podcast call around creating routines for the day and we know that there is not one child that is like another Um, but I wanted to have a chat to you about when we're creating the routine, how long we should be expecting our children to stay at that activity that the teacher has set for them. Uh, because I've had so many different varying conversations. I've seen friends on social media talking about, well, they're done in 10 minutes, then what do I get them to do? And others are saying, well, this is actually taking me six or seven hours to get through the work, which is longer than they would be sitting at school. So how long should we be expecting children at varying ages to be sitting for some of these activities? I think you've got to look at you first as yourself as a learner. So when you sit down to work and you're working at home, how long do you spend on certain tasks? I know I can spend four hours on my emails. I love spending way too long on my emails. (laughs) But ask me to write a piece of policy and I... I might be done after five minutes and I need my break. So I think the first thing to think about is, well, what is the activity you're actually asking? Is it something that you personally know that, oh, my kid's going to love that, they're going to engage, they could do that one for 20 minutes. They could build bridges with the blocks for ages and they're working on so many different skills in terms of construction and engineering and they can do that for ages. Whereas you might have another kid who's like, oh, I am not in that construction thing. That is way too hard. I'm, Yep, I did two minutes. I'm done ticking that box. I'm out. And I think we need to think about as 
parents and as individual people and as learners ourselves, how long would we invest in each activity? And that's going to be dependent on how difficult the activity is for us, mm -hmm. how interested we are in the activity ourselves. Um, the go-to, I guess, number is two to three minutes or two to five minutes per every year of their age. But some kids, like I said, I can only write certain things for so long. There's some things which you, like, I hate putting washing away. I can do that for two minutes and I've done on putting washing away for the week. That's yep. it. Whereas I can reorganise that playroom for two hours and have a great time. And you've got to think, well, for some things, your child is going to engage for that two minutes. That's all they've got. They hate reading. They've sat, they've listened to you read a book and that's all they've got in them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, that kid loves maths and they might spend an hour doing some maths work or a maths game online that the teacher has set. So the same way that you know your attention changes, your child attention span is going to change based on the activity. Absolutely. But I was going to say, would you suggest that you start them with an activity they, they less like least enjoy and then move them to something that they do enjoy as some sort of reward or would you go the other way around? I think that comes down to your kit. Like I know for me, I, if I do the thing I enjoy the most first, I then sit on the couch and do nothing. Mm -hmm. If the thing I enjoy most though is reading and that's the one thing the teachers told me to prioritise and that's what I've done, great. I know though, so for me, I have to do my least favourite thing first and then I get so, the fun reward. Whereas other kids won't engage with the least favourite first, get them in, hook them in with what they love and then move on to something that's less favoured. And that as a mum, you know what's going to work for your kid. And even if you don't, try it. Try one day, right? I don't, they hate maths. I'm going to start with maths. And that did not work. Okay, tomorrow we're going to put maths at the end. We're going to do the science they love first. And then we'll do the maths. And just test. It's all the same as like for us as adults working at home or changing our work environment or how we're doing things. We test and trial different things and how it works. We need to be testing and trialling this with our kids because we haven't done it before and yeah. what's going to work for them. And then there's the day-by-day day issue. As we know, mm. there are days where we are on and we are on fire and we are ready to engage with whatever's happening. We're enthusiastic. We're on top of the world. And then there's those days where we're not and we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and everything goes wrong, uh, nothing's right, and it is like dragging your bum across the grass all day because there's just nothing that's going to motivate you unless a bear's chasing you. So, you know, there is that layer as well, but I really love what you said around try different things. If your teacher has said, here's what you need to do today with your child, that teacher is not going to ring you and say, did you do it in the order that I said to do it in? No, your teacher's mm -hmm. not going to have time to ring you and, and ask you those questions. They would just like to know, how is this working for you? Are you managing to get through that workload? How you do it is completely up to you. I've got children that want to sit down and do every bit of maths for the week on one day and just do a math <laughs> day because they get in the zone. Um, you know, and then I've got others that would rather just do it exactly the way I say to do it. So it is. Different. I was a bit like that at uni. I was talking to my husband the other day and he's like, I'm like that. Way. He's at uni at the moment full time. And he's going, some days I'm just on essay writing and I'm in the zone. And I'm going to yep. write essays all day and he'll pump through as much as he can. And then other days it's, I'm over essays. I just want to watch lectures. Someone can talk at me. I'm done yes. here. And I think 
we give ourselves permission as adults to make those choices. We need to give our children the same permission. Now what, today's not working. We're gonna pull the plug here. Let's go do something else. And we're gonna pick this up tomorrow. Absolutely. And that, that's okay. And as a mum, we can make that choice for our child. Do you know, as an educator, I do that with my class. I go, do yeah. you know what? I'm looking around at this group and we are just not making this work right now. We are going to stop. We are going to pause. We are going to go outside. We're going to get a skipping rope. Whatever it's going to be, we're changing our setting because as an educator, I'm looking at my children and getting that feedback that this is not working. We need to stop. So I think we do need to do the same thing as mums with our children as well and go, oh, look, it's just not the day today <laughs> or no, it's the day for this. It might not be their day. Some days it may not be your day and that's okay because the yeah. thing is too, a school day is nine till three and it's Monday to Friday, but you've got the work there. Um, when you get that done is up to you yes. and it's the same as I work from home. I know when like back to the uni example, I work best at 10 o'clock at night. Who the hell does that? So I would do my work at that time and that sort of freedom is a freedom we now can give our children and yes. can give ourselves what times are going to work for them. How are they going to work when, if it's a Saturday and that's a choice that is best for you and your family, that's a choice as a parent you can make. Mm. Now for some families, it's like, do not encroach on my weekend. That's my weekend. And that's fine too. No yes. one's checking when you're doing that stuff, as long as you're working through at the pace that you are comfortable as a parent to work through some of that and take back the overwhelm and control. We can't control 99% of what's going on, the announcements that are coming. We don't know. We're out of control there. We can control the four walls in our home and yes. our family. Yeah. And take back that control of what we can control. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think would really be helpful for little people in getting them motivated, and I want to talk to you about this because we, you and I have had lots of conversation around setting priorities. I use in my classroom and I'm encouraging my families to use visual timetables for their children so that, well, they know in the next hour, we need to get this, this, and this done. Children love to know what they need, what is expected of them and what they need to do. Uh, and when they look at the way teachers present it, it makes no sense to them. They're only little. So I think having some kind of checklist or visual timetable is really good. But I was hoping that you could just talk us through how that might look around setting priorities. And you know, I like to set priorities. <laughs> I do. And in terms of like, and again, I go back to thinking and reflect on me for what then I expect children to be able to do and children of any age and I guess you reduce some of that expectation the younger they get. One of the things I do for myself in terms of planning is I set my three goals for the day. Some days it is just I wake up on the wrong side of the bed and the goal is just get out of my pyjamas. Mm -hmm. Other days my goals are big ticket items like I reorganised the shed in the holidays and that was a big goal and I knew that would take a few hours. But I set my three goals for the day. So that might be English, math, science one day next day it might be yeah reading your hpe and a history something but your three goals of the day they don't have to be depending on how everyone's feeling that day all of it or everything every day mm. but what are the three things that you can then at the end of that go you know what we've done our three we're tapping out we're going to go outside we're going to run around and then if we feel like it, come back and do some more, but we've achieved something because you want to finish every day as part of this feeling like you've actually got somewhere. Yes. 
And if we set way too much for ourselves in terms of we're going to do all this work with our kids and be everything for our kids, then I'm going to get on my own work calls and I'm going to check in on my own work that I've got to do in the three meetings I have for that. Plus, I'm going to keep the house clean. Plus, I'm going to cook this nutritious meal. As mums, we're going to burn out. So I think yes. we need to go, what are our three priorities for ourselves as parents that we want to get done that day? And then sit down with the kids. I think even the littlest of kids, right, today, these are our three little jobs we're going to get through. I'm going to give you a star for each, tick them off the list. We have a whiteboard at home and we love rubbing them out on the whiteboard. Perfect. And we can only rub up the ones we've done. And at the end of the day, the whiteboard's clean and we go, look at all we achieved, we've finished it. My husband prefers it written and to cross it out. Like he gets really angry. Like, yeah, I did that yeah. one. And give himself a little high five. But it's those strategies that we have found useful as adults in managing our time in the workplace that we need to upskill our kids now on how yeah, to do it. Absolutely. So I think the visual timetable is great. I think we've got to tick it off. Um, with my daughter, and she's, like I said, almost two, my biggest one is we do this, then we get this. Yeah. And that's her at her age, The time, that's her timetable. That's all she can manage at a time is we're going to play Play-Doh, then we get to have chocolate. Yes. We're going to do this, then we get to go outside and play in your pool and build that up. And then as you get into those older grades, you can have a timetable that they follow or yes. you're going to spend an hour on each subject or 20 minutes on each subject throughout the day. And these are the two subjects or three subjects you're going to look at today work with your child to set those up and model too. If you're working from home here, I'm going to do mine. This is what mine's going to look like. They don't need to know all the ins and outs of your work, but if they can see you modeling that setting those priorities, especially those upper primary and secondary kids, and then you work with them to set them. Yes. They can then go, oh, if I get these things, I know I can do them in two hours and I am done for the day. You'll see so much motivation from some kids because they will get through it as quickly as they can. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it also helps with that attention span as well. If they go, well, first I have to do my spelling and then I need to do my writing and then I get to go and have a break and play outside or whatever, or that's maybe all I need to do for the day. I think the attention, it, it has an end point. It has mm. finishing mark for them. So they're not sitting there going, oh, it's going to take me all day, you know, kind of thing. And then they mope and it's a, it's a struggle and there's arguing. I think it's really great when they can see, great, I do this and then I, I'm finished. I used to do that when I governessed. We always had work to lunch, finish at lunch, and then after lunch was either art or outside PE sort of activity or a science experiment because kids love a good science experiment and that yes, seems fun. And so the afternoons, I never did any of that big ticket items then. We used to always work hard till lunch and then if after lunch, you know, the kids wanted to have a nap, I was at home. Like we were, like I said, we were governessing. We could have all lay down, have a nap, um, listen to an audio book and do something different because we've ticked off that morning work. Yeah. And most people work best first thing in the morning. Yeah. I'm a night person, but you'll find that you'll get that better work, get it done, and then you can breathe mm. for the end of that day. You don't want to be taking it through into the evenings. Definitely I know that's not. me. I don't want to be doing it in the evenings. I want her to go to bed and have some me time. Yeah. And for little kids, they they need to just, I mean, in the classroom, they do 
we, we're there from nine till three, like you said, but the actual teaching load of the day is four hours, 45 minutes. That's the legal requirement for teaching for the day. You must teach four hours, 45 minutes. So for our learning at home, we're not really expecting them to even do that much. It's less. So definitely making sure that they're ticking those things off and then having that time, that downtime is really important. And I think that comes to the emotional needs too. Like it's so, everything's so up in the air at the moment mm. and we're unsure. And even though we might not think we're stressed, we've got that low level stress of not knowing what's happening and how things are happening that we need to give ourselves downtime in our days as well as give our children downtimes to help regulate those emotions and give ourselves space that we're going to have those off days. And then other days we're going to nail three things in a day and then we're going to take on two more because we're feeling it. But then tomorrow, you know what, we're going to lay on the couch and we're going to watch some TV for a bit before we all start moving. Beautiful. And it's a rhythm as a family that we all had and we all found in our own way in that first, you know, few months when you're home and you find it we've got to refine it in a different way with bigger kids absolutely um and what about families that have you know you were telling me before we press record on some of your families have multiple children and how that's working for them you know i think about mums trying to get all the different programs every child would have a different program they're working on but is there a way that you can suggest that if you've got five kids and they've all got all these different things to do, how do you manage that? What's the oh, best I, way to manage it? Personally, I'd hit the coffee first before I even tried <laughs> to manage it. <laughs> a big one. Uh, <laughs> I think it depends on your age of your kids. Like if you've got some older kids, I'd actually sit them all down together and go, right, let's sit together, work out what are your priorities, what subjects have you got assessment for that you know you need to work on. Because I know some of our grade 11 and 12 kids, they, they're still graduating from all accounts and they're still moving towards those end goals. Yeah. Where do they need to go? And those secondary and upper primary kids can say, oh, I know I need to work on this. I know I need to work on that. Okay, who needs a laptop? And I think you need to negotiate with those older kids so that they understand, okay, my brother's got the laptop for an hour. He's logging on here. He's doing that. And then I'm going to have it for an hour. Yes. And, you know, in the hour he's got it, I'm going to sit on the Xbox. I'm going to play a game and whatever. And that can be part of working out, oh, I work better in the afternoon. I'll take it in the afternoon. He can have it in the morning. Or he's got a call with his teacher. Oh, I've just lost you. Um, I'm right here. <laughs> Keep going. You were just saying that about having a call with a teacher. So, yeah. So if you know that one's got a call with a teacher, then you will have to step back. And I think it's that negotiation with timetables and once you get everything and sit down and almost a family meeting. And then yes. too, with other kids, as a parent, you can say, right, well, I need to call my boss at this time and I need to have this meeting with this person at this time. So I need this technology. And yeah, you might think you're going to sit on the Xbox, but you're not sitting on the Xbox on the internet because we are using it for these things. Yes. I don't think with those older kids, definitely negotiate. There's nothing wrong if you've got a lot of kids that the younger kid sits in that conversation, but you've probably got their timetable there and advocating for them. Actually, wait, as the youngest member here, he's got to do his reading lesson first. Yes. And then you can all wait because you know what? We can work till five. Mm. This little one, he's only five. He's going to be done by 12 today. And then we've got all the technology to us and he goes to bed at seven or whatever time we get them to bed. And we, you know, what might not be ideal, but we could do some work after there. And yeah. I think there's that negotiation and toing and throwing 
as a family. Definitely. And you, I think too, as parents, we also then need to advocate if it's not working, something's not working, call the school. What's mm. not working? How can they support us? What resources do family, do I need as a mum to be able to do this? What deadlines need to move? And schools are going to work with people. Oh, they want to but work with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as parents, we need to have confidence in ourselves. Right, this is what I need for my kid. This is what I'm going to call. This is what I'm going to ask for. We've sat down as a meeting. I've got three kids in school, two in primary, one in high. You know what? These meeting times between the kids aren't going to work with all the teachers wanting them online at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday and I've got one laptop and I'm yeah. meant to be working at home as well. And I think that's where we need to, as mum's called school, put teachers want to know that yes and then we'll work around what they can do to support that and i just think yeah my thing is negotiate it as a family even the youngest kids if you're scaffolding that conversation if you've got two kids you know i'm thinking preschool grade one sit down okay guys today you need to do this you need to do this so we're going to schedule this in i can't sit with both of you all the time Mm. so what we're going to do is see this online game your teachers left you you're going to play that and why you know you've got one child on that you might go okay I'm going to sit down and we're going to do the reading and then swap kids swap the online game across and don't be afraid to use that computer to give you that time to work with the other child yeah, definitely because you're going to have to especially if you've got those different age groups negotiate that mm. and also you're going to play with play-doh it might not have a set learning outcome but there's so much fine motor in that there is so much they could be creating imaginative in that you can have that preschool kids sitting with the play-doh you sitting in between and sitting with that grade one and doing that lesson because even if they're online it doesn't mean that you wouldn't necessarily sit with them or that they can do mm. it on their own just because they're online with the teacher and go between i know when i was governessing the teachers could hear us but not see us uh -huh. and i used to pull out stop swinging on your chair and the teacher you've still got your mic on oh uh -huh. and I <laughs> again and then you know i had to learn to put the mic off so i could run over to them the younger child right what are you building with your blocks okay i want you to make the highest tower you can run back to the grade two child, sit back down. Okay, where are we at with the lesson? What are we meant to be doing? Okay, and yes, it is a job. And at the end of that, they used to go outside and play at the end of those online lessons so I could have a coffee and regather my thoughts and my feelings. Yeah. And they were my own children. Um, but it was a negotiation. The younger one knew that when we were doing the online lesson, that was their block play or their Play-Doh time and they couldn't interrupt um, they could tap me on the shoulder and show me a drawing if they wanted. They could um, wave at me, do a dance and I'd watch and give the thumbs up, but they couldn't, I guess, talk to me. And they, yeah. we had those boundaries set up, but it was a negotiation. And at that age, it was a reminder every day. Mm. Okay, we've got an online lesson today. These are the rules. This is how it's going to work. Once I finish that online lesson here, I'm going to come and spend 20 minutes just with you and we're going to draw this picture and we're going to do this and we're going to read this book so that they see an end to that as well. Absolutely. And you know, what I'm hearing from you is so similar to what we do at school. And I'm hoping that this is the, the big tip for parents at home. It is about communication, expectations, 
and action. So it is about making sure everyone understands. It's about creating a routine and an expectation for what people are responsible for doing at different times and for them to see as well your own responsibilities that you have. Mm. And it's about making sure that everyone's able to action that um, the best that they can. And I'm going to be really honest, there are going to be a lot of families and maybe even a lot of people listening right now going, well, that's all great in theory, isn't it? But I really do think that, and I'm going to use my own personal um, mum hat as an example here, the more communication and expectations you set, the better you are set up for success. And the example I want to give is the shopping center. And of course, we haven't been going to the shopping center. But when Mm -hmm. my daughter was born, she's eight now, every time we went to the shops, once she could have some kind of conversation with me, in the car on the way, we would talk about, we're going to the shops. We're going to be going to get groceries. What are the expectations for when we go to the grocery shop and she'd be able to say, I have to hold the trolley. I can't wander away. Um, you know, she could tell me what the expectations were before we went into the shop. And I remember another mum saying to me once, do you have that conversation every time you go to the supermarket? And I'm like, hell yes, I do. And guess what? She's never a problem. And mm. it's just because of the communication and the expectation. So for mums at home, trying to navigate this world, have the communication, set up that expectation. And if things are not going well, pick up the phone and speak to your classroom teacher because they are there to help you. That is their job. And uh, they want to help. They want it to be successful. They don't want, you know, you to be sitting there struggling. So please do reach out. Um, I'm just wondering if you could sit face to face with one of my listeners right now, Tiffany, what would you say to them in terms of words of encouragement? What would you say to them if you were looking them at them eye to eye at this moment? I think be easier on yourself. Trust as a mum that you are a teacher. You have taught them so much that you are more capable than you know and that you know your child better than anyone. And so because you know your child better than anyone, you know what they need at this time and you are able to make those decisions for your child and to trust yourself. That's so reaffirming. And I hope that everyone listening is imagining that Tiffany is looking into your eyes saying that because it is so true, especially the part about you are already a teacher. You are. You so are. Mm -hmm. Now, Tiffany, before I ask, we're just wrapping up. And before I ask where we can find you, where can the lovely people go to find more resources that you've created? Um, Over on my website, which I've just started, uh, it's inspirelearnteach.com. I've actually just put together 21 different resources that I use as an educator, but also now there's about, I think, 10 in there that are now free, that have never been free before. So they're only free because of the pandemic and they're amazing, um, like well book with videos, with questions already there to go. So it's for those days where it's like, you know what, the teacher said this, but it's not working. I need something online. They're there to sign up. There's also some sites with some great things to click and print that you can click and print and give a child for something independent right you do this I'm going to have this meeting so they're go-to resources there's also in there um, a business that's actually offering their coding course for free wow. during this 
time. So to go on, and that's something, if you've got a child who's into coding, I have no idea on how to code, but I can just, they would sit there and go, oh, this is it, and sit down, and the engagement level with that would be so high. So that's over on my website, and it is that go-to, I need something else or something different. They're the places that, like I said, I go to, but also that are now free that never are normally. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you go to my website at tashgathree.com.au, you will see Tiffany's gorgeous face there and you can click on her and it will have all the details of this episode plus all of the links that she's talking about through her website. I could just chat to you forever, Tiffany, (laughs) about this. I hope that um, the people that are listening uh, have been able to get some really good hints and tips about how to recommence all of the remote learning or start their remote learning journey if they haven't started yet. Uh, And I just want to thank you so much. Could you let us know, we met on Instagram, where we can find you on all the www's. So I've said my website, but my Instagram handle is the same. inspire learn uh, inspire dot teach great and i'll link to that as well i just want to say thank you so much for coming on if you guys are on instagram just shoot tiffany through a dm she will love to chat to you about all of these things and i hope that your remote learning journey and teaching journey goes well if you found this episode super helpful please share it with your friends and of course leave a review so more people can find it Thanks so much, Tiffany, and bye for now. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love you to leave me a review or share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe wherever you prefer to get your podcasts.